From finance and commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. I would also like to thank our podcast sponsor, Guarantee Commercial Title. Guarantee offers a new platform for the delivery of services based on the expertise and ingenuity of a visionary team of title professionals that identifies obstacles and creates solutions that result in a successful sale, construction, or financing of commercial real estate. To learn more, visit GuaranteeTitle.net. Along with partners Brendan Dillon and Dan Rogers, Julian White started their company, Nokomis Energy, around four years ago when they noticed a shift in the solar energy industry, a change that came with the business opportunity. Larger solar developers were pulling out of the industry due to narrowing revenue and increasing project difficulty. White had experience doing this work on a national scale and launched his own company to bring national experience to a regional market. To date, Nokomis has created nearly 250 acres, or 50 megawatts, of solar. A majority of this is in community solar sites, or the creation of solar sites that landowners, organizations, utilities, and residents can utilize. Clean Energy Economy Minnesota reports that renewable energy sources made up nearly one-third of Minnesota's energy sources last year. President Joe Biden has also laid out a plan to cut the nation's greenhouse gas emissions in half by the end of the decade. White tells reporter Kelly Bush that he expects the solar industry to continue growing. But first, he says, the industry needs to overcome misaligned incentive structures and rethink energy distribution systems. Julian, thanks for joining me today. I'm looking forward to learning more about solar energy and Nokomis Energy. And let's start by talking about your background. So I see you started in solar over a decade ago. So can you give me an overview of what your career has looked like in this industry? Yeah, um, you know, definitely thank you for having uh, me on the show. Really appreciate it. And, you know, kind of as we were talking at the outset, I, I just think it's, I think it's really great that a show like this is is really focusing on local energy. And I think that just speaks to what's going on in the energy industry right now in general. I got into this space in 2007. Uh, I was coming out of college and I, I kind of, I didn't really know what I wanted to do like most people. And I told myself I wanted to do like, business for good. You know, I, you know, a lot of people think of it as sustainability or triple bottom line. And, you know, I'd read books about that. I'd read green to gold or, um, some of the ecology of commerce. And I read this book called let my people go surfing by Yvonne Chouinard, who founded Patagonia. Yeah. And I just thought Patagonia, what a great company, you know, I want to mm-hmm. work for a company like that. And so I went out to California and got a job with Patagonia and it's a great company. Um, it wasn't the right type of job for me. And while I was there, I had a friend who got a job with a company called Solar City. And Solar City uh, at the time was a, about a hundred person shop trying to figure out how to scale residential solar installation in California. Um, and so, you know, 
I started there in 2007. I was on the ground floor. I was installing residential solar on people's homes before we really knew we had it all figured out. We had all the processes, we had all the products. And so we were really solving a lot of problems in real time. And the real goal of that company was just to solve the implementation challenge. How do we get this stuff out there into the world generating clean energy for us? And so, you know, fast forward, I was there until 2014. And at the, you know, I said I was about the hundred person when I started, there were about 10,000 people when I left, it was just a rocket ship. Um, It had gone public. uh, Elon Musk was the chairman. Um, you know, it was Tesla money that had kind of or really PayPal money that had funded it originally seeded it. Mm-hmm. And so it was really kind of like a solar contractor backed by, you know, venture capital. Um, and you just, when you're on a rocket ship like that, you just get exposed to so much and really, in a sense, see the birth of an industry. Um, and, and so I was lucky enough to be there and work with a ton of great people and, um, you know, really just, you know, really just be exposed from the beginning about, you know, you know, what the, what the good ideas were about how to, how to, how to do this. Mm-hmm. Great. So that led you to founding Nakomis Energy around four years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, after leaving, um, Solar City, I moved back to the Midwest. I'm from the Kansas area. My wife is from Minnesota originally, and we were really excited to get back here where, you know, California, kind of a lot of this was happening early on. There wasn't as much happening in the Midwest and solar, uh, a ton of wind here, obviously. Um, and so I was really excited when we kind of moved back here uh, more for personal reasons to kind of see what was going on in the industry. And, and it turns out, you know, Minnesota is a, has really been thinking about this for a long time. And I definitely applaud the state um, for trying to lead on these things. Um, you know, when I got here, I kind of looked around, uh, kind of met some other people in this space. And uh, I'd say in 2017, we started to kind of get the sense that there was kind of a sea change happening where large national developers were starting to um, kind of be more selective about the markets they were chasing and whether that's they were needing to show more returns or projects getting tighter. Whatever, whatever the reason, it became obvious that that was a time for the regional developer to, to kind of show up, to step up. You know, if the national guy is gonna leave, that maybe margins are getting tighter, um, maybe projects are getting more difficult to do. And, 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 you know, I think that's when a good regional developer can really create value and continue to push things forward. Uh, and so in 2017, we kind of felt like we saw that trend um, and uh, put the shop together. Um, you know, really the, the intention of Nicomas is to bring national kind of pedigree when it comes to understanding how to go, do good kind of clean energy development at a national level, but then be very regionally focused, bring those best practices local when, when you know, national is solving best practices, but there's also a ton of aspects of development where being local, being present, um, being the actual person on the other side of the deal um, is really meaningful, you know, building trust, um, and so, you know, Nokomis is really founded as a way to say we can do kind of the best of both worlds. We can bring the best practices of national clean energy development, but also be very regionally focused and unlock projects that wouldn't have gotten unlocked otherwise. Mm, that's interesting. So who's a, who's a typical client for Nokomis? You know, we really service the municipal, commercial, industrial markets. So we're really looking at big electricity users. If you use 250,000 kilowatt hours, or more a year, a million hours more a year. You know, we we that's who that's who we're talking to every day. That's who we're trying to help every day. And 
you know, the majority of those customers are looking for lower cost and cleaner electricity. Uh, and, and that's really our focus. Um, but, you know, some customers are really chasing more visible sustainability goals. Um, some customers are really trying to facilitate more local ownership. Uh, it's more of an economic development activity. And, uh, and so, you know, um, our real focus is to work with those large customers, those large users, really understand what their real goals are and then be able to tailor solutions uh, that meet those um, and hopefully lower their electricity costs at the same time. Right, right, yeah. I noticed on your website that you guys have two specific service types, it looks like. So you have your community solar sites and then your on-site solar systems. Can you give me a brief overview of those two um, different types of systems? And if possible, how many units of each you've installed or how many acres, if that's possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, just broadly today, Nokomis has done about 50 megawatts. Um, that's about 250 acres of, of solar. The majority of that today is community solar. And if you think about the electricity grid, um, there's really three places where you can connect a solar system or really any power plant, any generator to the electricity grid. You can do it behind your meter, you know, on your rooftop at your business. You can do it on the distribution system. So the poles and wires that have the little transformers running to your businesses, uh, or you can do it on the transmission system. You know, what people might call the big grid, the, the big cross country, you know, wires that participate and support the wholesale system. Nicomas really focuses on everything on the distribution and behind the meter. And so uh, what that means is that community solar is for the most part, um, you could think of it as like a virtual off taker. We're gonna tie to the distribution system somewhere. And then you could be the buyer of um, those electricity credits or those electricity benefits um, through a combination of uh, contracting with us and being a, a customer of the utility, like in, you know, in this case, Excel Energy. Um, uh, and then behind the meter, you know, would be obviously uh, facilities right at your site. So we've majority done community solar to date, um, but we have uh, a large number of behind the meter projects, you know, in the late stages of development now, and we're excited to hopefully soon get to start, start talking about some of those and, um, and really start to really uh, demonstrate um, that, you know, customers have both of those options uh, when it comes to, to looking for solutions here. Mm -hmm. Great. Have you seen your customers change over the past four years that you've been in this market? Not really. Um, to be honest, it's really more just about, you know, helping more people realize that this is an option for them. I think as long as I think this industry has been around, it's still brand new for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, Minnesota especially is a, you know, a regulated energy market. And, you know, because of that, you have the, a monopoly. Um, and, you know, the nature of a monopoly is that people feel like they have one choice. And so they're kind of just takers when it comes to price or uh, things like that. And um, so it is quite interesting to spend time with facilities managers, CFOs, you know, those people trying to really understand for the first time that they have these options and what are they and how do they even analyze energy. So, um, you know, I think a lot of what we're doing right now is just helping people understand their options. Um, you know, I think this is a long-term uh, process where we're taking the entire energy system from being, you know, I've got one place I can buy my electricity to I have a couple choices now. And, you know, um, that's not going to change. That's all, you know, going forward, people are always going to have choices now. 
And um, this is really the first time they've, they've really had that. And so um, I think it's really just more customers showing up, um, not necessarily different ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so with that, it sounds like an expansion of the industry, right? What are some noticeable trends you've seen in the solar industry? I know that's a big question, so feel free to take that any direction. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I think the reason we're sitting here to get today is how dramatically costs have come down. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can't exist unless we can create an economic benefit, really, for our customers. So, I think as much as everybody is excited about the clean aspects of electricity, I think all electricity is getting clean. I mean. Wind is, you know, uh, providing almost 40% of electricity in Minnesota this year, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, to date. So, you know, electricity is getting clean and that's really exciting. And um, like any market, it's going to be about how do you find the most economic, most competitive scenario for yourselves, scenario that shows your commitments um, to sustainability, but really also delivering costs. So I think we've seen dramatic cost reductions. A solar panel, when I started installing in 2007, cost about, I'll just use some industry language here, $3 a watt. And uh, they were about 175 watt panels. I think this year we will install 440 watt panels. So almost a three X in the efficiency of the module. And that module that costs $3 a watt now costs 30 cents a watt. Mm -hmm. And so you've just seen dramatic cost reductions in technology. And I think those cost reductions are mirrored on the wind side too. Mm -hmm. um, and they're primarily due to the fact that we're developing technology. We're developing phones, computers, you know, there's no fuel input. The fuel, the sun was free 10 years ago and it's free now. And so I think that's a real difference and uh, what allows you to see um, these cost trends going down and staying down because we're not, we don't have fuel risk and things like that. Um, so I'd say that's number one. I think number two is just the number of people aware of these things. Um, you know, it's fascinating. And then I think number three is, I, I almost think we've kind of gone through a period where um, everybody was just pretty gung-ho about this. And now we're starting to run into more of the complex situations. We're starting to get a lot of, you know, wind and solar on the system. And the system wasn't originally built thinking about that. And so we're running into more of these complexities. And so one of the things we like to think about at Nokomis is there's a lot of low hanging fruit out there still, I think when it comes to deploying clean energy. And there are a lot of great companies that are doing this work. There's a lot of great companies here in Minnesota. There's a lot of great companies nationally. And you know that's exciting. And I think we didn't really form Nokomis thinking, hey, let's just go you know, compete for that low hanging fruit. We really have been thinking about let's go solve those hard problems. And that's really when you create value. Um, and so I think we're starting to see those more and more in Minnesota, in the upper Midwest. And I think that's exciting for us because I think that's gonna um, be a place where we can really help uh, those groups who, you know, maybe they went and said, I wanna do this and got told no by somebody, whether that was the utility, the developer, the community. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's when it's time for us, I think, to show up and help navigate that conversation bring I think you know what is kind of best in class development skills to the table to look at all of the problems and 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 you know bring those skills to bear to try and solve and get the customer what they want while mm -hmm. um, bringing the community along. Great so what were some of those problems Nokomis had to overcome and are there any problems still lingering to this day? Yeah yeah I think I think that we will only continue to see more challenging problems more complex problems um 
you know, kind of going back a little bit to, you know, the utility system we have today, um, you know, it's a monopoly, it's a regulated system, and it has its own incentive structure. You know, utilities are incented to spend money building infrastructure and get a return on that capital. And when a customer puts solar on their building or something, they simply lower the revenue that they're sending to the utility and, you know, keep more of that for themselves, give some of that to the solar developer, the, the solar operator. Um, and so, you know, those are not fully aligned incentives and there's a lot of work that has to be done there. You know, you have to, um, you know, to kind of get everybody to play ball. I think additionally, as we see a lot of clean energy come on the system, we run into what we would call interconnection capacity constraints. And, you know, that's kind of the technical term to say, at some point you can't put more electricity onto a wire. And, um, you know, there are scenarios where you may have a large solar field at the end of the, the distribution feeder that your home is connected to. And you may go say, I'm ready to put solar on my roof. And lo and behold, the utility says, ah, we can't have you, you know, pushing any more electricity out onto the system because um, we've already got too much out there. The system would be overloaded then. And so, you know, those are places where I think, you know, the simple, the simple approach that we have today creates these limitations. And as we go forward, we're going to have to deploy, you know, more creative solutions, bring more um, intelligence to the distribution system, um, dig deeper in our engineering analyses to say, am I being too conservative here? Can we do more? Um, and I think that's not going to be something that everybody in that conversation who needs to be in that conversation is just going to be willfully excited to engage in. You know, there are some groups that are happy with the system the way it is. And so I think that's where, you know, customers are really going to have to, you know, show up with us from time to time and say, this is what I really want. And I'm, I'm willing to kind of, um, you know, push for it. And I think there's going to be a lot more of that. I think there's going to be a lot more of that. Um, um, you know, how do we continue to find ways to deploy more clean energy? Um, so, so I, I think, I think, you know, we see that today here, you know, we see challenges with interconnecting with, you know, different utilities here. And, and, you know, a lot of those utilities are trying to do the right thing, but, you know, it's, you know, they're old, it's, it's there's a legacy environment, you're, you're, you're kind of swimming through very, um, uh, you know, regulatory and legislative environments that, you know, have been set up for different scenarios. And so, you know, there's, there's the real immediate, can I solve a project? And then there's these longer term reforms to the electricity system here that I think, you know, both have to be tackled. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read um, that you wanted more people to come to the table as they say, to solve some of those issues. So uh, that was a great overview. So, um, now to pivot to more of a basic question, you've kind of answered this already, but you know, who can tap into solar energy right now? Is it just businesses and companies or can renters and homeowners tap into it? Yeah, no, I mean, it's available to everybody. And, and, you know, I think if solar is just one of many ways to generate clean electricity, um, but you know, if you've got uh, a rooftop, you can think about it if you are a large business with, you know, a rooftop or a parking lot or, you know, a field uh, nearby, mm -hmm. we can definitely do this. Um, you know, the utilities offer some solutions themselves. They're more kind of financial or credit-based systems, not necessarily um, direct um, ownership systems. Um, yeah, and then, you know, things like community solar, you know, anybody who is uh, at least in Excel territory, anybody who's an Excel customer can be a community solar subscriber. 
Um, and so it really isn't limited. Um, Nicomas, like we talked about before, focuses on a specific area of the industry that I think is, is underserved. But um, if you're a renter or a homeowner, there are you know, a lot of good companies in the area as well to service you. Great, great. Well, I think that was everything that I wanted to ask about. So is there anything else you wanted to add in or emphasize? I think that, um, you know, and, in, in, you know, as I was kind of thinking about this conversation um, and, uh, uh, you know, you know, what's happening is true. I think one thing I think, you know, people should be aware of um, is just like any other, uh, you know, you know, growing industry right now, we were seeing it in real estate here around the Twin Cities. There is just a ton of capital coming into this space and that's really driving prices down and it's getting very competitive. Uh, and, and Minnesota has done a good job creating an environment for local companies to develop their skills and, and, and get to the point where they can really attract that type of capital to invest in the state. And so I think that's just one other thing for people to keep in mind is that when you're working with a, a local developer, you're thinking about doing this, um, there's an additional benefit of drawing more capital investment into the state. Um, we're starting to see a lot of investors locally actually get into the space too, which is really exciting as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, from that more finance and investment community, I think there's a, a, a really awesome opportunity here um, to, um, you know, put, put money to work, you know, delivering clean electricity to, you know, your neighbors, your constituents, your uh, citizens. Um, and so I'm really excited about those conversations. I'm really excited about conversations with the municipals, municipal utilities, cities, things like that, as they start to think, you know, well, what are my electricity costs and how do I actually get it? And, you know, you know, is this, you know, is what I've got today actually what I want in the future? Because, you know, the next 10 to 15 years is really the big energy transition. You know, we, we really haven't seen innovation in the space since it was set up. The grid of 1930 is the grid of today. Mm -hmm. um, and the nature of distributed generation, you know, solar and storage and smart technologies, thermostats is really going to upend that. Um, you know, the regulations are on the books and now it's about, you know, seeing that play out. So I think you know, the thing I leave everybody with and, you know, reach out to us and let's chat about it. You know, that's what we love to do is, is talk to people about kind of what their goals are. But, um, you know, this is really the next 10 to 15 years is really the opportunity to, to join and participate in this transition and, you know, help have a say in, you know, what it's going to look like down the road. Is it going to be the same system we have today or is it going to look different? Is it going to have different ownership? You know, is generation going to come from different places? And so, um, you know, that's, I think what we're excited about is, is helping people understand how they can kind of join, you know, join the industry and, uh, you know, be part of what I think is a, you know, another economic driver for, for the upper Midwest. Absolutely. All right. Well, Julian, thank you for your time today. I, I really appreciate it. This was super interesting. Great. Yeah. Happy to chat anytime. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.